0: <laughs> 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 Hello everyone and welcome to Forgecast. My name is Neil Sagrien. I'm Sam Jones.
1: And I'm Alex Norton. So this All is right. the first episode Three uh, three blacksmiths or, and or knife makers that are getting together to talk about hitting hot steel.
0: Yes.
2: Absolutely. Yes. So today we're uh, doing our pilot episode, trying to uh, encourage people to get into the smithing realm. And we figured and we'd we... spend some time letting you know who we are first
1: yeah get 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 a bit of a an introduction on us three and and you know what sort of accreditation we have to even start a podcast <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. yeah if we have any um
2: so captaining this ship is uh Neil Zürgen from um Sweden. My Swedish accent is terrible yeah um <laughs> yes it is but uh he's the one who dragged us three together and um he is a well known Instagram smith specializing in axes and swords. Uh, if you haven't seen his work, you can check him out uh, at Niels Oven on Instagram. Um, met him through uh, my YouTube channel, uh, which was Samtown's Bladesmith, and he has come up with the idea of starting this podcast, and I loved the idea, and he also decided that he would drag Alex along with us. Mm. How about you uh, give us a bit of a rundown of how you got into blacksmithing, Niels?
0: Yeah, so, um, well... Um I usually get this question in Swedish, so I'm used to answering it in Swedish, but I'm not going to do that here because uh, not a lot of Swedes are going to listen to this. Uh, well, <clears throat> uh, when I was a kid... Uh, lord of the rings was a really big thing and uh, that was around 2001 i was uh, eight or nine years old or something Uh, so i got into the sword uh, thing and also played a lot of final fantasy games and stuff like that so me and my brother used to make a lot of swords in wood and uh, i went out in the yard because uh, i live on a farm and uh, when you live on a farm in sweden as a kid you uh, have like you're not allowed to sit in front of the TV a lot and we didn't have internet so uh, I got out and cut some trees and uh, stuff like that with apples and swords and uh, Mm -hmm. basically that thing has always been with me and um, so uh, I think it was like when I was uh, 13 or something uh, I played Kingdom Hearts and I wanted to make a keyblade out of steel so I uh, took a piece of uh, flat iron steel something no, it was just iron. And uh, I, uh, like, uh, I used, uh, what, what's it called, uh, nails and stuff to make the handle, and it was terrible, terrible stuff. Coca-Cola bottles and stuff. It looked like shit. But I found that three years ago uh, when I was home at my parents' house, and I thought, hmm, maybe I can make that into a real sword this time, not knowing anything about steels or iron or and stuff like that, because... That's kind of important today if you're going to make a sword. But back then, I didn't care that much. I just wanted to make something that looked like a sword. And it turned out horrible. Uh, (laughs) So I threw that away. But let's see here. I checked the facts here. Uh, That was 2016. And in the start of 2017, I started for for real, like forging. So I built my own uh, forge out of a steel pipe. And uh, I drilled some hole in it and uh, attached a hairdryer. Mm. And uh, I uh, traveled to uh, some local blacksmiths and got a big piece of mild steel that I used for an anvil. And uh, that's like it. That's how it started. And uh, let's see here. Uh, in the end of 2017, uh, was the first time I was really pleased with the a project I had done, and that was the iron sword. Uh, which you can yeah, see on the, see the that YouTube one. channel. yes. Uh, that was the first time I, I was like, Yeah, this is pretty, pretty great. And uh, if I keep this level, uh, I'm satisfied. So, or, or not satisfied, but I always want to improve. But you know, I can, uh, I can go from there, so to speak. So, it's mm. basically only been like, uh, a little bit over a year that I've been uh, doing uh, uh, decent stuff, if you compare to my earlier stuff. Okay, right, we all on somewhere. Yeah, but, but I know it's, it's like everything is a progress thing. So, uh, so I'm not... I, I still call myself a novice, and I will do until forever, I think. So, yeah, that's my story, I think. And the Instagram thing uh, just... Uh, it's... Uh, you, it's not like I'm a, a star on Instagram, not at all, but I had some pictures that have been uh, featured and stuff like that. So, uh, uh,
2: and that's just luck, I guess. <laughs> oh, I, think, I think you take too little credit, mate. I think some of your work has been absolutely excellent, and it's been recognized for that. So. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I really <laughs> appreciate
0: it. Yeah, so that, that's basically my story. And I, and I think like this, because there are so many questions uh, that need answering, like uh, and you know how it is when you're sitting in a classroom and you're you think you're the only one who doesn't understand but basically it's a lot of people who doesn't understand to have the guts to ask that stupid question can really ease everything up in the in the in the future so i think this could be a forum for that as well ask complicated questions as well you know
2: Ab- yeah absolutely hard. i mean my my theory has always been there's no such thing as a stupid question unless you ask it three times <laughs> um, <laughs> if you need repetition then, then there's something that's not sticking in the brain Yeah, but, but uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely sharing that information is super important
0: yeah but I mean everything from steels I know, I know when I started out I was like yeah as long as I get a spring steel from an old car I'm cool but I don't know anything about the steel didn't know anything about the steel and stuff like that and where do you get steel uh, those are questions that are most relevant I think
2: absolutely yeah it's important for new smiths to kind of get the basics uh, under their belt before they um, really set off on their journey. And really, it's, but, it's uh, such, a, such a primal skill, blacksmithing. I mean, you're,
1: you're literally beating into submission something that has this sort of assumption of being very finite. Um, and so to take something that's supposed to be you know, strong as steel, literally, and being able to mold it and shape it to your will. Naturally, if you want to humbly ask what you feel is a stupid question in that field, it, uh, it's a diminishing thing. So to be able to have a free space to be able to open up and ask those questions is a, it's a very freeing and liberating thing. Yes,
2: I agree. Absolutely. And, and dispelling some of that, that mythology that surrounds blacksmithing that still mm-hmm. puts people off to this day, um, you know, the, the idea of the blacksmith being the wizard, um, you know, should have, should have died in the dark ages, but for some reason it's kind of pervaded modern blacksmithing as well. Some of the, uh, the old myths. Yeah. But, but isn't uh, that uh, the same
0: with the, almost everything you do? Like, uh, for example, if you uh, have an artist that you like very much, they're kind of like in a God form in a way, like, uh, like a superhero that you cannot you yeah. can't really reach and when you see them you get all excited and stuff like that and i mean it's oh, the yeah, same yeah. thing with blacksmiths
2: absolutely we, they um know them. the 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 thing that you know i was referring to is the fact that um that regarding the actual act of blacksmithing there is quite a few myths surrounding yeah. how to move steel what steel works and what doesn't um you know stuff like a. My, one of my favourites is the, the whole idea of edge-packing, that a forged blade is better than a stock-removed blade in metallurgical senses. But we know now through you know deep scientific discussion and, uh, and um, research that it makes no practical difference. But oh. even though we now have that research at our fingertips, there are still a, quite a few people who kind of hold on to that idea that forging the blade somehow makes it more refined.
1: Yeah. People need their mythology.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with having traditions and and passing those traditions down and having the mythology surrounding it. But, you know, you want to dispel bad ideas (laughs) (laughs) to a certain extent.
0: Yeah and I mean uh like it's all it's all up to the person I think because it's kind of impossible to do a stock removal Damascus knife well it is if you buy the damascus or just flatten damascus out but usually when you're doing damascus you want to form it so that the patterns follow the edge or something like stuff like that. Yeah absolutely. And so so I um, I guess it depends a little bit but uh I'm all about that I mean, it's mostly like what kind of a blade you want to buy, you buy it from the guy that you want to buy it from, basically, that has the same, the style that you like, basically. Absolutely. Or you make it yourself. (laughs) Yes, or you make it yourself.
1: (laughs) Although we are getting ahead of ourselves, we should introduce Sam as well. Yes,
2: Sam. Yeah, there's two others of us here, I suppose, we might want to talk about ourselves. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Alex, you want to Alex, you want to do the introduction to Sam? Yeah, sure. Well,
1: Sam and I are both in Australia, although we're on opposite ends of the country. And um, when I uh, first, I, I was doing it for ages before being part of any sort of online community to do with blacksmithing. And um, when I Uh, Obviously, the first thing you do when you're learning something is, uh, or wanting to become part of the community is start looking around on YouTube. And that was how I first discovered Sam because he was the first YouTuber that I found who was an Australian like me. And you can immediately tell because of the accent. And so uh, that that earned a a sub right away and and started following his videos. But then I actually found out when I started joining Facebook groups and, and such that he was part of those too. And um, all of a sudden, it's a bit like that idolatry that you were referring to before when you see um, somebody that you really admire their work and then all of a sudden they seem like a superhuman. Um, Here was Sam and he was actually very approachable and would answer questions and talk to you and things. And um, I actually only recently started talking to him on a regular basis because of his um, contributions to the Perth Knife Show where he was actually doing up some exquisite pieces for it but at the same time live streaming the entire process which meant that while he was working on them i got to actually talk to him in real time and um that uh is sort of the 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 humbleness crossed with the approachability crossed with the extreme level of skill sort of made me uh have quite a quite a high respect for him and uh, that that's how we got to know one another
0: yeah uh, and i mean uh, me and sam got uh I remember you from Instagram, but you remember me from YouTube, and uh, anyways, I, I always followed you on Instagram, and I thought that uh, you had an interesting uh, style, and uh, you sure seem to know how to
1: handle your your hammer, so to speak. <laughs> and that was the that was also the best part of the live streams because while he was you know he, he would have hours of hand sanding to do, as any knife maker knows about. Um, And while he's sitting there handstanding, we would chat on the the live stream and people would ask a seemingly, you know, innocent, simple question about something that uh, was to do with um, blade design theory or steel theory or history. And Sam would be able to just rant for 20 minutes straight in extreme depth (laughs) on this subject. He's sort of like an encyclopedia with legs. And, um, frankly, if you want theory knowledge, it's, it's sort of, I just would wait for the next live stream. Cause I knew that I'd be able <laughs> to be able to, you know, pop in little additional questions and things. Cause sometimes it's, if you ask somebody a question on a group like Facebook, it's hard to do a follow-up question with all the noise. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, the live stream made it very accessible.
0: Yeah. I, I remember, uh, me and Sam, we, we, um, Somehow it felt right that we should Skype with each other. And it was kind of weird the first uh, two minutes when it's like, we don't really know each other, but it feels like we know each other from, since we're writing to each other on Instagram and stuff. So, uh, But I'm very happy that we did the Skype call, and I think Sam is a very great, a good guy and a very good smith. And uh, now please tell us how you got into the craft, Sam.
2: I think I'm going to have trouble fitting through the door. My head's going to be so freaking big. <laughs> um <laughs> after all that i'm I, I i fear i'm going to be a disappointment <laughs> no um but uh yeah no i got into blacksmithing I, I worked with my hands throughout my childhood my dad was a um was a craftsman he, he still is works for himself and he and i used to spend hours in the shed and he'd make uh, stuff out of wood he was a very uh, avid woodworker um but it wasn't until I moved in with my girlfriend, then girlfriend, now wife, um, Christy, um, and one day was sitting watching some YouTube videos. I think I was watching uh, Kyle Royer, who's a master smith of the ABS, uh, his journey to master series, where he was making the um, master smith test knives uh, for his master smith test. That I kind of made the offhand comment to her that um, you know I'd really like to give that a shot, you know, make a knife one day. And, um, you know, she just kind of said, well, why don't you? And I kind of went, well, you can't just pick up a hammer and start swinging. You know, you've got to have a teacher and you've got to have all of these tools. And, you know, I don't have the money or the experience. And she said, well, you know, why not? What do you need? You know, find out what you need and, and let's see if we can get it sorted. So I started researching how to build a forge and, you know, try, I got onto my dad to help me build a, build a little panel forge with, with a hairdryer blower much like Neil started out with and um, had a piece of rail track, eventually replaced that with a cheap Chinese cast anvil that I found on uh, Gumtree, which is a local, um, you know, kind of eBay esque page, uh, for local sales. And, um, yeah, just kind of started forging. And, and one of my attributes, uh, one of the attributes that is both a blessing and a curse that I have is, uh, my, uh, Ponchant for uh, obsession, and so once I started, you know, hammering steel and making stuff and, and watching all these YouTube videos, I, I was inspired to want to be better. And so I spent quite a quite a few years trying to uh, soak up as much information from online forums, from books, from DVDs, from YouTube channels, trying to you know kind of find out how I could improve my craft. And, um, about, uh, about a year and year and a couple of months ago, um, I lost my job working as a security guard, uh, which I'd been doing for about nine years. And, um, I knew a guy who ran a company called fire fabrication. His name's Jake Mantel sells some awesome gear. If you're ever uh, looking for knife making gear in, in Australia, definitely check him out. But, um, he kind of ran into me at a medieval uh, event where I was doing a forging demonstration with a couple of other local smiths, and um, he kind of said, "Well, you know, you're you're pretty decent at this. Have you ever thought about giving it a go?" And at that point, I was fairly, you know, self-conscious about my abilities. I wasn't sure that I was capable, but uh, with a little bit of uh, gentle prodding from Jake, I managed to uh, get my YouTube channel off the ground, which uh, I've now been running for twelve months, and we just passed a thousand subscribers two weeks ago. Congrats. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you very much. And, uh, yeah, just been been kind of doing that ever since. Just started running classes in August of last year. And um, one of the reasons I was so happy for Nils to approach me with this opportunity was that um, one of my dreams is to kind of pass on the passion for blacksmithing that I carry with me and, you know, kind of instill in other people that that sense that you can do it. You don't need you know, the excess of materials that you see so many Smiths online these days carrying with them to achieve a relatively high standard of work. So, yeah, it's it's been an interesting journey. <laughs> yeah. And of course, I was lucky enough to run into several uh, really cool Smiths uh, online, um, including Nils, and, of course, Alex. And Alex and I, when uh, we finally started talking, he jumped in on my live streams. I'd been following him for a little while before that because he makes some excellent jewellery and blacksmith jewellery, like hairpins and stuff like that. And he also uh, spends a lot of time making things that you wouldn't even imagine possible. Um, And so when I started to see his work and his passion for the craft, I I kind of recognized a kindred spirit And um, he was really helpful in helping moderate my comments on my live streams and stuff like that as well. And we've kind of developed a fast friendship from there. And, um, yeah, he's uh, been quite a support for me as well. And uh, he's quite a talented smith in his own right. And I think in his own words, he should tell you how he got into his uh, thing. So, Alex, you want to give us a bit of a story on you? Yeah, well,
1: uh, I I built my first forge uh, probably five or six years ago out of a steel bucket. Uh, it was uh, what I didn't know at the time was that it was according to the design of a smelting furnace Uh, so it was um, I I didn't know the difference between I I didn't know what a fire pot was even so um, everything that I put in there I would have to reach my hand over the top of it and put the steel down inside and singe all the hair off my hands each time I did it Um, but it worked and it, it heated the steel up and I bought my first anvil I went straight to a same same as Sam actually a cheap Chinese cast anvil and and got it um got it going that way and sort of never looked back but the reason I got into smithing at all was um is sort of a much long part of a much longer story because I've just sort of my entire life been obsessed with knowledge I wanted to learn the why and the the behind the scenes of everything you know dismantling the family television to find out how it worked and um, you know, following trails of ants to see what they're doing during the day. And uh, it's led me to an incredibly varied career of um, crossing over everything from software development to psychology to I was a magician professionally for a while. What? Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I've, I've done a bit of everything. And a large part of being obsessed with knowledge, it's and then it, it sort of it, 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 really highlights how little knowledge is spread around uh, and how your average person nowadays can't even bake their own bread, let alone make a tool that they can then pass down to their children for the rest of their lives. So um, that led me to starting to get a real appreciation for tools of, of all different shapes and sizes for any different craft, whether it's a a uh, hand plane or a crochet hook the design and and layout of of tools always fascinated me um but i've found that a lot of them were uh, this, more of a recent revelation was a, a lot of tools that people rely on and live by could be more beautiful because i am an artist at heart and i've always had a passion for art so my sort of goal really is to make beautiful versions of functional things and between blacksmithing and carpentry you can make almost any tool Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's my 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 two main focuses and i sometimes i'll do things that are purely decorative but more often than not my projects involve making just the most beautiful versions of functional things that are within my skill set and obviously that leads to me constantly trying to refine my skill set with the sole purpose of being able to make things that are even more beautiful
2: yeah it's a pretty noble cause yeah, I think um, so. Hmm. And I mean, yeah. as as you say, you know, kind of uh, as I'm kind of getting in, in the background is, is you know, the whole idea of form follows function, so they don't necessarily have to be mutually exclusive. Yeah, well, the last
1: 10 years of my life have been um, involved a pretty healthy obsession with self-sufficiency and um, I've been a survivalist for many years, going off on, on long expeditions and bushwalks and hiking trips and building my own shelters and Um, learning to forage wild edibles and natural remedies and things like that, just being able to do things for yourself. And sometimes you need a tool. You need an axe or you need a nice cooking knife or you need something for whatever purpose that helps you survive. And, of course, the form is the most important thing in that regard, but we're not all struggling to survive. We're actually all living in probably the most advanced time that humanity has ever seen and so why not make that thing also an absolute joy to use and look at is is the way I sort of see the world so yeah, all of my, when I make a knife I don't just make something that looks like it was made in a factory, I make something that is, it looks like it was grown organically um, and yet it still functions perfectly well as a knife, it may not be uh, winning any sort of uh, knife modelling shows any time soon but um, yeah. they're, they're sturdy and they'll, they'll take a beating. At the same time, they would just be a joy to look at and to hold. Um, the same thing goes for my jewelry. I mean, adorning yourself has been a, a part of human culture forever. And so uh, why not do something unique? Every time I make something, I make one of it. And um, yeah. that way, it, it really sort of makes it the most unique purpose it can have. Yeah, Absolutely.
2: I'm with you on that one. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I love the I love the um, the outlook on it.
1: Hmm. Um, I, I mean, the obsession with knowledge has spread to me wanting to share it as much as possible. So I, I devote a lot of my time to teaching, and I, I too have a YouTube channel where I, I live stream tutorials, are just sort of not really necessarily tutorials, but showing in depth what I'm doing when I'm doing weird things. Everything from um, like Sam said, inventing things that shouldn't exist all the way up to just mm. making something simple like a bottle opener in a forge by hammering on mild steel. You know, it's whatever it is that I'm building, I like to show what I'm doing and allow people to ask questions. That's why I only do the live streams. That way people can actually ask questions as I go.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've, I've really enjoyed your, um, the series you did on the, uh, the henna pen. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that was a quite a cool, cool build to watch happen. Um, even though I have, you know, no interest or no knowledge of uh, electrical engineering, it was really interesting to to kind of learn the basics from from your live stream and see how you can put those kind of concepts into action to create something, uh, you know, awesome.
1: Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah. I mean, it sort of uh, gives me a, a unique perspective on blacksmithing, particularly compared to um, a lot of other people who sort of. You know, there's, there's a lot of. Uh, discussion, let's say, uh, back and forth about which steels to use and, and all that sort of thing and getting things exactly right and just so, and, and my attitude is very much, does it work? Is it pretty? That's it. So I'll, yeah, I'll, never, it. Be, I'll never do work to the standard of Sam, um, but I'm happy in that, in, in that. That's the way I am. I, I don't think I could ever do that and be happy, um, but I take great joy in watching people who can which is, you know, yeah, what led me to Sam in the first place, and and following Nils. I've been actually following Nils on Instagram for quite a while.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's cool, yeah. man. Well, and I, I got to say, I got to say, I agree with you with the survival thing. Um, I mean, I sell axes and swords, but I usually don't use swords for myself. I have them on my wall and in my room in case of emergency, but uh, I use my axes. I always Mm. travel, you know, like you can travel shotgun in a car, but I travel axe in my car. I don't do it. (laughs) The the people going with me, there's always an axe that I can grab. It's one of
1: the most useful tools you can carry in a survival situation. Yes, I know.
0: You never know when Mm. your car crashes and you need a fire or stuff like that. So I always keep those kinds of things in my car in case.
1: Yeah, I'm actually going to be starting to make axes soon, um, thanks to um, a recent order to Sam of a um, an axe drift.
0: Oh, nice! Yeah. Ma- well, month, maybe we could years. talk. Maybe we could talk about axes in the next episode in more in depth on how like, different techniques and stuff like that, and I can bring what yeah, I absolutely. know to
1: the table. And the different designs yeah. of axes, which are very important, including yes. some of the more lesser known ones, which are used to actually make beams
2: yeah the the yeah. hewing axes and stuff
1: like that yeah most people uh, sort of think that they're left-handed
2: axes <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah but you yeah. know yeah, i um one of the, one of the other things that you know uh you uh, we've discussed before we started the the podcast was the uh the fact that we're all a little bit of uh history nerds and um you know part of my interest especially and i know yours as well alex is how um Historically, the the you know blacksmithing was used to develop technology, um, and how basically the the industrial world and the world we know it is today was built on the back of a blacksmith. That's um, right. Came all from the face yeah. of an anvil. That's it. Without without blacksmiths, uh, you know, we wouldn't have had steel, which you know, without that, we wouldn't have the majority of the uh, technology and uh, vehicles and all that kind of stuff that we have today. So. That's it's, right. uh, I believe, it's an essential tradition to, to fast down, um, beyond anything else.
1: Even just giving you an appreciation of the why behind the world around you. I mean, people will live their entire life in a house without understanding the you know the complementary forces that are acting upon each other within the beams to hold that house up, um, and <laughs> steel is holding the world together.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's a cat no, here. Neither, it's trying trying to <laughs> disturb me. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> I, all I right, have... a cat. Yes, I
2: have
0: it can to... meet my. You <laughs> can uh, meet
2: I my actually... dog crawling around behind me all this time. So. Yeah,
0: but yeah. it's not <laughs> crawling in your face like my cat is doing. Uh, well, oh, anyway, I have probably. a pretty fun question. Um, I wanted to hear about what kind of gear you guys have. What what? We'll start with the anvil. Uh, what kind of anvil do you have, Sam?
2: Um, So I've got several uh, anvils. Um, So the main anvil that I use on my channel these days and the main one I use at home is an O'Dwyer 50-kilogram cast 4140 anvil. It's um, quite a nice piece made in Ireland. Um, O'Dwyer kind of had a history of having um, bad anvils, but that was mainly because they used to use cast iron. Uh, Quite soft cast iron, but uh, recently they've switched to 4140 and the anvils are quite good, actually. Hmm. Um, I also have a 50 kilogram cast iron Chinese anvil that I use for my um, striking now. So I use it as my striker plate uh, because it provides a little bit less rebound, although not so little rebound that it will stop the sledgehammer from tapping you in the forehead if you accidentally miss.
1: As we found out in one of your videos.
2: What you did? Yeah, yeah, I ended up in the I ended up in the hospital. Um, he rang his own bell. <laughs> I was doing doing some striking with a friend of mine, and I missed the work and uh, tapped the anvil. I, I, I say tapped; it was a full-blooded swing with a seven-pound sledgehammer, and uh, the <laughs> rebound was just enough to send it swinging back up into my forehead. So, um, yeah, I got got three stitches in the in the forehead. Fortunately, I didn't have too bad a concussion; just a little one.
0: Well, um, you ha- it's on
2: one your, of your video- videos. Then, the aftermath is I didn't actually catch the strike itself, but yeah, oh. um, it's. I believe I I labeled the video gore warning. Um,
1: yeah, there's blood <laughs> pouring down his face.
2: Because the first thing I did when um, when I got hit with the with sledgehammer, obviously, was pick up my phone and start recording myself, uh, being <laughs> the true being true YouTuber that I am. Yeah. um <laughs> but See, everybody uh, yeah, so... else
1: calls that an accident. Sam calls that a Tuesday.
2: <laughs> that's pretty much it. <laughs> um, I also have a post anvil that I actually uh, manufactured on my YouTube channel that I use for when I'm doing my classes, uh, and that's actually made out of an old um, cat axle. So it's a old cat, uh, which is the uh, dump trucks that they use on mine sites. Uh, quite <laughs> huge. The size of you know multi-story buildings. Um, the the axles of one of those. Uh, it's off offcut of that that I've turned into a post anvil um, on top of a bit of two by two hundred by two hundred uh, RHS. And you can find the the build for that on my channel. But I also have a couple of tiny little anvils that I've made out of railway track and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I've got I've got so many. <laughs> I've got <laughs> I've got a lot of anvils. Uh, not as many as I would like, though. <laughs>
1: What Does about, any blacksmith?
2: Yeah. That's no, true.
1: What about you, Alex? Uh, what kind of anvil do you use? Well, when I got my start in blacksmithing, it was making almost exclusively jewelry. So my uh, first anvil was a 20 kilo. Um, it's fairly small. Um, and it did, the, did, did all of my work. And it's only just recently that I've got something bigger. It's actually a fabricated one of. Uh, two railway tracks with forklift tine on the top and it's all welded up and uh, it's got a big horn on it which was nice because my small twenty kilo anvil had a square face horn which is awful as soon as you want to try doing decorative scroll work and things. And yes you can grind it out. Everyone always says that. You know, why don't you just grind it out, but when you're living in the middle of the suburbs you can't really be throwing that much sparks. Um, grinding on a cast anvil, so I um, have this new one. That the new one is um, when it's all finished, because got, I've got to fill the core of it with some sand and oil to deaden the sound a little bit. But it's um, it's going to be about forty kilos, mm. so twice the it's size. Um, it is. It's a beautiful um, creation. The only problem I have with it is that it's um, even when it's chained and magnetized, it's still quite clangy. Uh, and it's yeah. just because of that hopefully. void in the centre, so...
2: Yeah, hopefully that'll get fixed when you when you fix the void. But That's something important to note for any new Blacksmiths that might be listening to the channel, is that those Chinese anvils, mine has exactly the same problem in that it has a square-faced horn, which isn't much use for much of anything. Um, no, it's really <laughs> not. It's useless. Because yeah, you can't really forge on it, and it's not round, so you can't make round things on it either. So... um for those people who are listening to this podcast in review, if you're ever interested in buying an anvil and you see those really cheap Chinese anvils, just be aware that those tend to have square-faced horns, which aren't the best for doing scroll work or turning um, shapes that are anything but flat. Uh, That's so, right. Yeah.
1: Even if in the photo online it has a round horn, it is not.
2: <laughs> if, if, it's, if it's brandless, If it's brandless and made in China then you can almost guarantee it'll have a flat horn.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's anvils made by people who have never used anvils. That's it, yeah.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I didn't know uh, that. What anvils do you have, Nils? Uh, I have two of my own. Uh, But uh, when I started out, I had uh, just a piece of uh, mild steel, but then I actually got to rent uh, a a very old uh, uh, workshop from the 20s and that with from the 1920s, that is, that had, yep. hadn't been used for like 50 years or something. So, that one and,
2: where you make the arm?
0: Yes, sword? that's that's where I made the arm sword. Uh, awesome. I was that there. Sounds for over, awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. You know, uh, everything, there was old machines, an old lathe, an old drill press, and stuff, but everything was run by one engine in the back of the workshop, which had a uh, an axle going through the roof to every other machine there, so it was uh, driven by one motor. Uh, so very cool construction, it, like early, early 20th century, um, stuff. Uh, yeah, and sounds, I think they very much like the
2: early industrial
0: age kind of stuff. Yeah, it was a very cool experience to be there, but uh, I felt like I needed a place of my own, so uh, I, and I wanted, I didn't want to, you know. Have any issues with stuff uh, like not owning the stuffs that I'm using? So, uh, uh, but they had a Söderfors st- uh, anvil, uh, and Söderfors is uh, one of the best in best in the world, I think. Uh, Söderfors and Kosovo. yeah, they
2: right up there with Ruffling House and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, uh, Swedish anvils have always been uh, very uh, reliable and
2: good. Uh, so, yeah, that was, uh, that was one, too, was wasn't it? Sorry. That was a that was a big one, wasn't it? That was um you know up, upwards of 100
0: kilos. No, 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 no. No, it wasn't. No? Uh it was kind of small actually. Uh, around 50, I think. Uh, okay. but uh, you we'll know camera. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but but it has uh, it it was kind of beaten up. Uh but uh, I mean the ring to it was beautiful and uh, the rebounds was cool. So but you know uh so I this, I think I made, did my last day there this summer, I think. And then I uh, I got a, a plan with my father to make a, a forge here at their home. Because I'm going to buy the farm in the future. So I might as well have my shop here as well. Uh, mm-hmm. So basically, uh, a year ago, when I turned 25, I got my first uh, uh, anvil. And that was my uncle, my father's brother, that is. He found out that my great-great-grandfather, uh, the one who took the name Ergren, by the way, uh, was a blacksmith alongside with other stuff. And he owned an anvil, and he found that anvil. So it's like from the early, uh, late... Very 18- old. Yes, 1890 or something. Uh, so yeah. now I have, I have that now, and I'm using that on a daily basis. You know, it's it's not the best. It doesn't have the greatest rebounds, but but it's okay. And the edges are not that uh, great as well, because it's over 100 years old. But um, I also have another Swedish anvil uh, called a NuHub. And mm-hmm. uh, th- the cool thing about NuHub is that um, during the 1800s or something like that, uh, during the industrial uh, stuff, uh, Sweden has always had a very good um, uh, economy at least i don't want to get political but back in the day they had a very good um, uh, economy and that was thanks to i think three or four really big uh, companies that uh, worked with iron and steel uh, and supplied it to the world and one of those was uh, new they don't exist anymore but they have a, like a museum uh with all their old stuff and i actually got a new Hubs, uh anvil uh yeah. and that that one is so beautiful it's like a tiny tiny little thing on one of the edges otherwise it's square and it in the sound i mean the sound is so amazing uh, it's like the greatest thing i've ever heard and it's uh, 89 kilos i think so it's pretty big. This is wow. actually
1: uh, this is a phenomenon that any any new smiths listening or people wanting to get into it need to understand. Anvils find you. You don't <laughs> yeah. find anvils. It seems to be That's a true. universal thing that happens to blacksmiths. Eventually one finds you. Yeah, and, and the cool thing about
0: the cool thing about the new hub uh, anvil is that uh, I traded it uh I traded the iron sword to get it. Oh. All right. Yeah, so that, that was uh, kind of sweet. Uh, it was my old girlfriend's uh, uncle or something that had it. It was just standing as a decorative piece on his, uh, in his garden. And I was like, dude, Ugh. I really would like to have that. And he was like, yeah, what can you give me in return? Well, maybe this. So I gave him the sword <laughs> and uh, I got the anvil.
2: <laughs> so
1: Fair enough, well, that's
2: a good trade. good trade. Yeah, very much so.
1: I'm all about mm-hmm. the trade economy.
2: Oh, mate, yeah. Oh, I know of a 95-kilo Trenton Anvil from America that's currently sitting on a stump out the front of a, uh, a warehouse where they build sheds as, oh. a, as a design piece. And it's, it's almost brand new. It's just covered in rust. Yeah. And uh, I've tried to argue with the owner several times to try and take it off his hands, but he doesn't want to get rid of it because he thinks it looks cool. Yeah, right. i offer to,
1: I'll, I'll offer to build him a wooden replacement. <laughs> But, I mean, or that's just, a or just make a wooden replacement and then oh, swap it out in the night and see if he notices. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. We don't tempting. advocate crime on this channel, kids.
2: No, we really, no. We really don't. Yeah, yeah. As much as it is tempting, yes, we, we don't advocate crime. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, I mean, but I mean, one thing that I, I really uh, want to like, uh, if if you're new to blacksmithing and thinking of starting out, the, the, the really nice thing about it is that there's not a lot of assholes here. Because, for example, I come from the music industry. I used to work as a musician and a music teacher and stuff like that. And there's a lot of competition and uh, people not wanting to share their secrets and their, you know, I don't know what the English word for it is, but almost snobby do you understand that guys yep. asshole is yeah, a pretty good word for yeah it. asshole <laughs> like uh, <laughs> like uh, really they like it. they like it when you fail at something and that's the aw- most awesome thing watching people fail and i i really hate that kind of behavior nowadays and i gotta say yeah. i was into it as well because you do if you if you hang around with people that that are assholes you're going to turn into an asshole yourself but as i found out there are some assholes in the blacksmithing industry, of course. And I mean, you got to have respect for people that they cannot answer every question. Like, you cannot expect to go to Jay Nielsen and get an answer for every question you have. Uh, but, I mean, there's a lot of humbleness here that I really, really appreciate. And uh, that's also one of the things that's, that's that we are going to try to help out with, with questions and uh, stuff like that. It's because all yeah, blacksmiths are nerds. Yeah, I think so, too. <laughs>
2: We are all nerds, is true, but I mean that's something that I've been trying to advocate on my uh, on my channel is that the idea that you that none of us are unapproachable, you know, the, the, all of us are willing to to answer questions when asked. You know, like I said earlier, there's there's no such thing as a stupid question to me if it's something that you don't know. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean the the blacksmithing community has been incredibly welcoming to me, um, even though for the first couple of years I was very hesitant to kind of enter enter into um the community because i was worried that it was going to be filled with people who were going to be very opinionated i was uh, pleasantly surprised by the uh, positive responses i got from so many people when i finally did approach them and yeah. so i think it's important to keep building that community and that's something that i'm really happy we can we can try and uh, enforce by running this this podcast as well so
0: yeah but but i mean as i said uh, i'm i mean i really like when i get a, a question about uh tips or tricks maybe someone send me a picture that happens sometimes believe it or not but and they want my my opinion on it and sometimes you know what is the right thing to do is is the right thing to be honest or is the right thing to make them believe in their uh, to be happy for a short while and i always believe (laughs) in honesty uh, before everything and i I think that if i could send my work to someone who could uh, give me Uh, straight answers for questions I have because what you need as a blacksmith if if you want to improve yourself which I um, know which I think that most people do want to you have to be have a critical eye on yourself and there's nothing wrong with making mistakes because everything we learn is from mistakes and I mean, yeah, I have made so many bad knives, swords. I mean, I, I'm watching my, uh, looking at my first sword right now. It's the most ugliest thing I've ever seen. And I, I'm also looking at my first axe. It's so bad. The eye doesn't even fit the the wood. The the wood is too small. It will never work. But I know it <laughs> because I did that. And now I know yeah, that. Absolutely. And I mean, there, there are stuff that I just figured out two weeks ago that made the... The most sense to me that I haven't known be- because I haven't really tried it, and you have to yeah. try those stuff to figure it out. And also, be aware that people, if you send pictures to people, they will respond probably with honesty, and that's the best thing for you.
1: Absolutely. My rule, yeah, my, my my personal rule is that I'm never nice and I'm never mean. I'm just honest.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's it's one of the honesty is the best policy, and I mean. Yeah, as as Neil's said, you know you you can't make improvement if you don't know that you where you need to improve. Um, I'm actually doing a series on my YouTube channel right now, uh, which is tips for beginner blacksmiths, and I'll be releasing another one of those tomorrow, uh, which is and it's Friday. It's an excellent
1: series, and you should check it out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I um, actually yeah, the, think that too. It's very good. Uh,
2: yeah, but uh, so the next episode is actually covering this this issue, the whole idea of getting started in the in the industry um and and you know the the pitfalls that you run into early on um and you know that's another reason why i'm really happy to have this podcast is that we can help you know give those tips out to people as well yeah um and i mean one of the things i wanted to mention nils was talking about rebound uh earlier from anvils and that's been uh, a lot of uh, there's been a lot of contention surrounding rebound in the uh blacksmithing community and um, one of the, one of the things that I've been interested to uh, to talk to people about is the fact that I, for the first you know five years of my blacksmithing career, used a cast iron anvil and still have it and still use it uh, quite regularly, and it is very soft. Uh, it, it's got you know negative one rebound. You know, basically, a, you drop a ball bearing on it, the the ball bearing stops. <laughs> it absorbs into <laughs> um, the anvil. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, it's, it's like forging on play doh. Um, but the the thing is is that the rebound doesn't actually affect the uh the the forging of the material. Um one of the biggest myths that I've heard, you know, we were talking about uh blacksmithing myths earlier, was the idea that a good rebounding anvil means that you're getting more energy into the work. Uh and that's just patently false. Okay. The, The main thing about rebound, the reason that rebound's really important, was really important, was for um, kind of industrial-scale smithing. Uh, Talking about rail yards and stuff like that, where we were forging a lot of tooling quite a bit. And you imagine putting in an apprentice who's, you know, 13, 14 years old, putting a hammer in his hand and sending him to the anvil to start forging chisels or nails or whatever you want to, um, you know, get him to forge. He's going to miss his work quite a bit, and hammers are fairly hard. So if you have a soft anvil, it's only going to be a very short period of time before your anvil looks like uh, someone was trying to make it out of Play-Doh and had really heavy thumbs. Um, so basically, the uh, a good air rebound meant that it was hard enough to withstand mishits. And so therefore, the anvil would have a longer shelf life in an industrial complex than uh, a soft anvil. So... If and when you're getting into blacksmithing, anyone who's listening who's getting into blacksmithing and you're looking at anvils and you're looking at the people talking about, you know, you have to buy an anvil that has, you know, 90% rebound um, and stuff like that. You have to buy a 61 Rockwell or a 58 Rockwell Raffling House or a Soda Forza or, you know, a, one of those anvils. Uh, the the fact is, at the end of the day, you can forge on a piece of mild steel quite effectively, as Nils will tell you, as Alex will tell you. Um, they are just as good as an anvil with really good rebound, but the only thing is that you have to be a lot more careful with how you swing your hammer, which is a good thing because it teaches you hammer control.
1: Yes, I'm going to do you one better, Sam, actually, because I would say that anybody getting started in blacksmithing shouldn't buy an anvil at all. I, I think yeah. it's, quite an invest, it's quite an investment financially, and the amount of people that I've introduced to blacksmithing who have been super keen and really wanted to try it, I think it's the coolest thing on the planet. And then they get burnt a few times, they get uh, carpal tunnel in their wrist, and they end up sweating out more fluid that they had in their body the, when they came to the shop. And they decide, <laughs> nope, blacksmithing is not for me. If you buy an anvil, that's a huge financial investment. And if you end up not liking it, or uh, while you're even if you do end up liking it, while you're practicing it, you're going to miss a lot. Um, so you yeah. could ruin ruin a perfectly good anvil. I would say start with what, what in the biz they call an ASO or an anvil-shaped object. So something like a piece of rail track, um, or even yep. like a, a railway tie. Are really good, like the big plate ones. Um, yep. and right. invert, invert one of those in a steel. stump yeah lump of mild yep. steel something like that that's cheap that you know under 100 bucks you can get yourself set up and use that because you can wail on that miss hit all you want you can grind regrind it flat if you do it and things like that and once you've got your technique down to a point where you feel like yep this is the thing for me i really enjoy doing this then invest in an anvil and you'll appreciate it so much more Absolutely, yeah. and
2: yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't trying to, to say that you should look for an <laughs> handful of any kind, um, but yeah, you, you're right to point that out. Is that uh, you don't necessarily need the uh, the super expensive tooling to get started in blacksmithing. Um, one one smith yeah, that I follow, I think we're all like,
1: examples of that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think that's true. Um, I mean, a couple of the smiths that um, I speak to on YouTube quite regularly. Um, and one that I follow, uh, Phil Baumhart, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with him. Um, he's got a small YouTube channel that, you know, focuses on, you know, kind of Viking-style builds and stuff like that. But uh, his earlier videos where he literally had a, a hole in the ground with some charcoal, a steel pipe, and a hairdryer, and he was forging on a rock um, oh. <laughs> with a... With, with a with a hammer and you know it, i mean his stuff wasn't you know world class or anything like that but he was forging he was making stuff and you know he's slowly built up his tooling and i think he's getting to the point now where he's you know getting anvils and stuff like that so but where he started was you know right at the bottom you know with with barely anything and so you know that's that's one of the things that this next video that's coming out tomorrow will be will be focusing on is that um that idea of not needing the, the super expensive materials. You can start with very little. So uh,
0: yeah, but I wanted to address one thing with the rebounds. I don't know about you guys, but uh, usually when I'm forging, I'm forging pretty big stuff. It's a billet of, uh, for an axe, or it's a sword. And swords are pretty big, usually. I usually pound, and then I, when I uh, switch sides or stuff, I usually rest my hand on the anvil with the hammer. So I, I use the rebounds to keep the motion. So that oh yeah uh, yeah, so it never stops, and that's like uh, that's why the rebound is uh, important to me uh, at least. And this could
1: be this could be a totally subjective thing, but I find that a good rebound is makes it easier on your wrist.
2: Yes, yeah, and I mean, as I said, there there are advantages to a rebound. Obviously, not just knocking your anvil. But yeah, you, you can use it to uh, to rest your hand when you're uh, when you're forging and stuff like that. I tend to count my blows uh, on the anvil. I constantly, I'm constantly tapping my anvil. It's something that I'm at pains to stop myself doing because uh, it, it doesn't actually serve a purpose other than um, than denting up my anvils. Yeah, but um, and you
0: can watch. And you can watch people. They do it. Everyone is doing it different. My my taps oh, yeah. on the anvil are very small. Like did it in, uh, and then I go again. But if you watch, for example, Alex Steele, he's like yeah. making the first blow on the anvil sometimes, uh, and you're like, yeah. what is
1: he doing? Which but, is I weird mean, to see. It, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's weird to see. But I mean, it works for him, and it works. If it works, it works. I mean, uh, there's nothing to complain about. I don't think he's ruining his anvil because it he has oh, had, had it for a long time. And, um, and style, I mean, everyone's different.
2: Been, if it works for you, then it works for you. And, you know, I, I'm the first person to tell you that there's not one way to skin a cat. If, if what you're doing works, then don't change it. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of people out there who will tell you that there is only one way to do something, especially in, in artistic kind of things like blacksmithing. There'll be a lot of people out there who will tell you that there's only one way to, to use a hammer. There's only one way to use an anvil. Um, That kind of thing. And all I can tell you is that's total, you know, BS, because at the end of the day, if what you're doing works, then there's no argument against it working.
1: Yeah, I mean, it actually leads into a very valid topic because, I mean, it's it's one of the things that a lot of people uh, I find get stuck on. It's just just try it. Just get in there and do it. If you yeah. grab grab a, if you build a forge with a hairdryer and some uh, fire bricks and you have a a bit of railroad track and a ball-peen hammer and you get a bit of rebar that's all you need have a go and you'll very quickly learn what works and what doesn't
0: Yeah and Absolutely. I I wanted I wanted to say that um for example uh, there are ways that are historically correct and there are ways that are not histori- historically correct and there are ways that uh you can make something that it's going to break eventually if for example if you use the welder a lot more than for example forge welding that could sometimes break depending on what you're doing but i mean yeah, try it <laughs> yeah but you should try it anyways because then you know for certain i mean i can tell you a lot of stuff about uh, making axes but until you try it you will never really know uh, and for example uh, I have a friend here uh, in Sweden, which I talk to a lot, and we are, we often discuss ways to, uh, to, um, to create. And I mean, he has a power hammer. I do not have a power hammer. That makes uh, quite a bit of difference in how we forge. And recently, <laughs> I've been interested in more of the artsy kind of uh, practical forging, you know, forging stuff that you actually use, like a candle holder or a shoehorn. And oh, I up. mean it's pretty hard forging a candle holder with a, okay not a candle holder but for example a shoehorn without a power hammer if you're going to make it out of a square stock yeah uh, because there's a lot of flattening and there's a lot of drawing out but yeah. i mean I, I found a way that i i use it, the my welding machine to uh, um tack weld it and then i forge weld the piece on works perfect for me It doesn't look as pretty as it, as it would have Uh, if it's uh, all from the same piece. But, I mean, what works, works.
2: That's it. And, I mean, a a lot of the time you'll find that even though it doesn't look as good, it'll work just as well. And, you know, even though you said it'll break easily, in that context, I don't think anyone's going to be putting enough weight on it that they're going to break it. Um, And if they do, they're doing something very wrong putting on their shoes. Um, (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. There's, There's no... There's no not just one way to skin the cat. There is definitely uh, more than one way to go about really, making. If,
1: if if you realise at any point that you've forgotten to have fun while you're doing it, then you that's the only failure that you're actually doing.
2: Absolutely, I mean, most of us get into it as a hobby. Um, you know, f- a few of us you know, are fortunate enough to turn that hobby into a into a uh, business. But um, no, there's not a requirement out there for you to to get started in blacksmithing. With the aim of becoming a professional blacksmith, you might want to just get into it just to occasionally swing a hammer at steel, you know, yeah. um, and that's totally fine. You don't need to meet the standards of, you know, the ABS or, you know, your local blacksmith's guild in order to call yourself a blacksmith. At the end of the day, you know, if you're swinging a hammer at hot steel, then you're a blacksmith. And yeah you know so the the thing is at the end of the day i, I you, you don't need to match you know my skill set or alex's skill set or anything like that at the end of the day it's all about having fun because if you not if you're
1: if you're getting burnt multiple times you're getting carpal tunnel you're getting aches uh, arthritic aches in your 20s in your hands uh, you 're getting covered in schmutz from head to toe, setting your beard on fire, and not having fun. you should question what you 're actually getting into <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly I mean, who, would do, would...
1: who would go through that voluntarily yeah. if they weren 't having fun
2: you wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn 't go to a club or something like that like a, you know like a bowls club or something like that, and the, every bowls game you had to do the the uh, the whole team had to beat you with a paddle um, <laughs> If if you weren't really really into bowls, you you would uh, you would definitely not go there. So you know, I, I think I that's the same with blacksmithing. You don't need to treat it like it's going to be a, a super serious thing for the rest of your life.
1: Yeah, just have fun. Yeah,
0: that's it. Yeah. make stuff. Yeah, have fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, uh, you can be a football player without being a professional f- football player. I, I get that. But uh, guys, yeah. uh, to um, with uh, going, uh, we, we have been going on for a while now. I wanted to uh, like end this on the note that uh, we could uh, all, uh, all um, uh, get on to what we're doing at the moment, uh, what our projects are at the moment. So Sam, what are you doing at the moment?
2: Well, um, I just finished making a uh, prop sword, um, which I've just posted on my Instagram uh, today. Yes. Um, for an escape room uh, to. Kind of, it's just a mild steel build, mostly a welder, not much forging. I did forge the uh, the guard on it, um, but I'm actually uh, about to set off on a new rapier guard or a side sword guard tomorrow uh, for a custom order. Um, it's going to be a uh, a ring side sword guard. For anyone who's listening, you can look up side sword, uh, as in you know the sword you wear at your side, um, on Google, and you'll probably be able to find a few images of that kind of thing. Uh, I'll probably be doing a video of that next week. Um, and I've also got a bunch of blades that I mostly finished before Perth Knife Show, but I have to handle them all, so that'll be something that I'll be doing probably in my live stream on Saturday. So yeah, that's those are my projects.
1: About it's you right. uh, well, here in, in on the east coast of Australia, it's been far too hot to actually forge. Because one of uh, my my whole thing with uh, blacksmithing is that I use no power tools. I, I do it all with charcoal with a hand uh, hand crank blower. Um, so it's um, it, as soon as the weather gets to a certain temperature, it's just impossible to be in the forge without having some pretty substantial risks to your health. Um, so I'm. <laughs> I, I've been out of it for quite a while, but uh, I did do one live stream recently where I made a uh, bottle opener and showed the whole process from just from raw square stock, uh, and I am finishing up three knives, one of which is being sent to a friend of mine in Germany who was kind enough to send me a heap of really nice leather-working tools, um, hmm. and I live-streamed the sheath-making for that as well, the leather sheath. Oh, interesting. Um, and- and two of the other knives that I made are going... Uh, they're being finished up now, basically just going through the, um, the uh, coats of Danish oil on the, the handle. Uh, and, uh, you know, so a little bit of detail work and hand sanding and things. And that will be going up on my Etsy store very soon. And uh, they that will have to tide me over until the weather cools down a little bit, I'm afraid.
2: How about yourself, Nils?
1: Well,
0: um, I have a couple of uh, interesting orders. I got... Uh, well, they're not finished yet, but the final orders yet. But we're working on uh, three swords uh, in the coming uh, of this uh, f- uh, spring. And uh, yeah, I yeah. have a, a little bit of um, issues uh, forging swords since I don't have my old forge. And my old forge was, like, really big, so I could... Uh, a charcoal forge, like, uh, mo- uh, kind of like a Japanese charcoal forge, which... Uh, yeah, would, yeah. Or you can get through. a... Yeah, you can be- get a really big fire in it. But uh, uh, I just built, uh, finished building my new uh, forge, uh, like uh, the fireplace forge. Uh, uh, I'm not done with the workshop yet. I'm still working on uh, building that. But in Sweden, we have a lot of snow, so uh, I can't do that either. So I'm actually standing outside working most of the times uh, at the moment. And uh, I have my grinders inside uh, my father's workshop, so I use uh, that as well. But um, so three swords, and uh, I'm also working on a new line of axes, non Viking, non Viking axes. To believe it or not, regular. Good heavens! uh, Yes, uh, real, uh, real axes that's
1: going to be used (laughs) for once. Uh, Do other Swedes actually sense that and come and attack you in the street? No, they (laughs) don't. I don't know what
0: your picture of Sweden is nowadays but it's not like uh, Norwegians or uh, Danish people <laughs> not anymore it's not no, I'm sorry not. I shouldn't get political but uh, anyway so so that's basically what what, what I'm going to do uh, I think and also I I actually started making a Damascus uh, knife uh, that I, for myself um that I'm going to try to finish this uh, next week I think uh, yeah cool I, Lovely. yeah I'm, I'm not a pro at Damascus, but uh, it seems to be working pretty well. Uh, I think integral Did you balls, forge for the
1: stellar?
0: Yes, of course. Lovely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's very very random pattern. It's like uh, I forged uh, uh, what's it called? Um, uh, uh, you know uh, what's it called? A crane. You know a crane uses a, a line to what's it called? Cable. Cable. Cable, yes, a cable. Uh, the first, I just, I tried to for, uh, forge Damascus from a cable and it worked pretty well. So I, I put that together Able. with uh, uh, some O2 steel uh, ah, yep. and uh, then I forged those to a stack uh, billet and then I fought... Hey, I should make some more. So I took some band saw blades and some more O2, and I forged a billet out of that. And then I put combined all of those into one billet, and that's what I'm doing right now. So <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, talk about random. <laughs> I, I, am, I have no idea how it's going to look.
2: That sounds that sounds cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it's so fun actually. When when you're new to something and discovering, oh, what happens if I do this? And what happens if I do that? And uh, that's a, a lovely part of uh, forging Damascus. The joy actually. of learning. Yeah, and also everything by hand is also very a lot of fun, to be honest. Mm. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, all the hard work, a good, good, <laughs> good, workout.
0: Yeah, but I yeah. mean, ooh, you, ooh. You keep it to small billets, and it's very doable by hand.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. So, so ooh, yeah, uh, Sam recent, Sam recently <laughs> sent me two roller bearings that are um, fifty to one hundred. Is it? I think yeah. Yeah. Um, and they are going to be a beast to work out by hand. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I figured I'd figured I'd give you something to to you know work those guns out on.
1: Um, I'm gonna look like the Rock by the time I finish, like Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> yeah, that's good, man.
2: Well, yeah, well, I mean while while you while you're inside, you can work on the handle for that Damascus blade that I sent you. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Dreading it and
1: excited about it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, let's um, let's uh, give our uh, Good luck to all you out there who are listening, and uh, we'll talk to you next episode. And uh, this was a lot of fun. Thank you very much. Goodbye.
2: See you later. Thank you very much for the podcast, guys. See you later.